that on purpose, just so you guys would wake up if you were asleep. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Guess what? We're going to get in the Bible a little bit this morning. Amen. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Second Peter. We're going to be there here in a little while. Uh, this is part two in our series called Reflections where we're talking about different characters who were close to Jesus and how they reflected Jesus in their lives. Amen. Uh, Let's go to God in prayer before we jump in. Amen. God, thank you so much for this time. We're so grateful that we can come together and, and just have this time of worship, Father. It's always encouraging just to, you know, hear uh, people sing. I always love hearing uh, Barb in my right ear and Rachel in my left ear and, uh, it's just so encouraging, God, just to, to hear people sing and give their hearts to you. God, and I pray that this morning is just bringing a smile to your face, Father. And as we get into your word, Father, I pray for our hearts to really be in tune with what it is that you want for us to take away, God. There's always things that come, and, and sometimes, you know, as uh, people that preach, we have specific things we want people to take away, but sometimes it's something else, just random that comes out, but whatever it is, God... I pray that it's what will move our hearts to change, Father, because we always want to reflect you in everything we do. And I do pray that as we're talking about these reflections the next several weeks, that, God, it'll be uh, times of really movement in our hearts uh, towards being closer to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's kind of a special time for our family right now. We're in the the gauntlet, we call it. Uh, October 2nd is Rachel and I's anniversary. October 7th is Hannah's birthday, and October 10th is my birthday, and so we call it the gauntlet because we pretty much run out of money, um, you know, for everything. By the time we get to poor old Jason's birthday, we got very little left, although this year God blessed us because Rachel won a gift card at work, so I get the birthday present, yeah! God is good, God is good, I'll take it, but... uh then also Chris's birthday is today. I know he didn't want me to tell everybody, but uh, a little birdie this morning sent me a text message and said, I cannot confirm nor deny uh, that this is my dad's birthday. But I don't know who would have said that when she said my dad's birthday. Anyway, um, so... You know, it's, it's, it's exciting these times. You know, we, uh, Kathleen's birthday was recently. Alex, our small group is kind of interesting. We have three people, Hannah, um, Alec, and Kathleen all have their birthdays on October 7th, which is kind of weird. You know, I'm like, what are the odds of that in one little group, you know? But, uh, exciting times for us, you know, and, uh, I'm just been enjoying this, uh, Bible study. You know, we, uh, Chris, myself, Tony got together um, a couple of months ago and we're planning kind of a, what can we do? You know, we're, we were, uh, you know, denoted as the preaching team, you know, and teaching team. And so we're like, well, what can we do to really help the church connect with Jesus more? And, and I think it was Chris that came up with this idea of reflections. And I thought, wow, that's cool. You know, that's a, that's a cool thing. And so I started studying Peter and, you know, with, with Peter, what's interesting with him is every time we look at Peter, we kind of look at the early Peter, right? The the just got the gospel Peter, the 
the mistake-ridden Peter, you know, and we don't really talk about the more mature Peter, the first and second Peter, Peter, right? The one that wrote those. And so we're going to talk about that version of Peter, the more mature version as we go along, because I think we really can see some pretty amazing things from him. But the first thing I wanted to do is I wanted to walk through. Now, I'm going to go through this kind of fast, okay? But we've got, you know, it's going to be on video and you'll be able to listen to it later. But I'm going to kind of go through some of the high and low points of Peter's life because I want us to see kind of how he ended up. And I think it's going to be encouraging. So the first thing I wanted to point out is, you know, the uh, the first thing is, the and this is kind of the 30,000 foot view of Peter's life, but the first thing was the catch. You remember that where he has this great fish, right? And then he falls in front of Jesus and he's like, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a simple man. This was one of Peter's first really major kind of eye-opening experiences. Then we have Peter walking on the water. Remember this whole story, right? Where he uh, in Matthew 14, where he walks on the water, Jesus is out there and he's like, if it's you, Lord, you know, tell me to come. And he jumps in and the first few steps are, he's walking on water. I don't know if you've ever tried that, but it's really hard, you know, <laughs> especially when you weigh like I do. I just tend to be like a rock, just, you know, down to the bottom. But, you know, then we have his declaration that Jesus is the Messiah. What a cool moment for for Peter, right? He's always kind of, you get this feeling that he's always sort of popping off a little bit and saying stuff. And it's, I always imagine, and this is probably because I can relate to him in some way, when he said that and, and Jesus is like, yes, that's it. He's like, I got one right. <laughs> you know, I was just throwing it out there, but yay, you know. Shortly after that, though, what happens? You know, he, he gets, uh, you know, he gets the rebuke of the right get behind me satan you know oh how quickly we fall right then we have the transfiguration where peter gets to be one of the three that go up on the mount and see this amazing transfiguration of jesus and just what a what an amazing time situation i I don't even know how i would wrap my mind around that whole deal right it's like what in the world's happening but he gets the, he gets to do that, right? Then we have we fast forward a little more and we have the time where he falls asleep in the garden. Right? It's we you know, I'm I'm leaving some stuff out, you know, I'm not covering everything, but there's just these moments, you know, where then he pulls the sword on Malchus and cuts his ear off, right? And then he denies Jesus. And then he's restored later. And then he is the one that brings in the kingdom in Acts chapter 2, right? He, he's the one that preaches the gospel message. And then he preaches and heals boldly. And then he is the one that, you know, connects with Cornelius and brings the Gentiles in. But then in Galatians, he gets rebuked by Paul, right? They have this sharp... What are you doing that? Why are you acting like... This Jew of Jews, right? And so what you see with Peter's life is this real up and down. It's not like Peter, who is this guy who got to walk with Jesus, was perfect. 
As a matter of fact, he had a lot of flaws. And the reason why I want to point that out is because if Peter, who walked with Jesus, could have that and end up where he did, then there's hope for us. Amen? You may look at your life and go, goodness gracious, what a roller coaster. I've had those moments where I was the guy that got up and said, Jesus is the Messiah. You know, and it was awesome. But I've had those moments where people had to pull me aside and say, as one of very true. There's been some wild ups and downs in my life. I mean, it, there's times when honestly... I've looked at myself in the mirror and said, how can you justify being a Christian? And I'm, I don't know if many of you have ever felt that way before. But I tell you what gives me hope when I look at someone like Peter and I think about that life arc of his, hope for me. Because what Peter did just about as good as anybody, if not better, was bounce back. And if I think about Peter's life as a whole, that's really what he was good at, is he was good at repentance. It wasn't that he was the perfect guy, but he was about as perfect as you could be at repentance because he kept coming back. He kept coming back, right? Even when he was down, and I mean, think about denying Jesus to his face. I'm always haunted by the story of when Peter denies Jesus three times. And then it says that as Jesus was walking off, it says he looked right at him. Could you imagine that? Looking into the eyes of the Christ and seeing no doubt disappointment, but also love. But it would have to haunt you in some sort of way, right? To think what? There had to be this heart in Peter's mind that's like, what am I doing? Just a few hours earlier, I was drawing the sword. And now I'm running. And it's a servant girl. He's making me run. (laughs) It wasn't like the Romans were standing over him, you know, with a sword getting ready to cut him up if he said something. Is this a servant girl? I'm messing with him. And you think about that, and it lands hard on where we can be as people, but there's this hope that we get through repentance. And I want to talk about that today, mainly out of 2 Peter, all right? Let's look at a few verses here. Because this 2 Peter is really power-packed. You know, I appreciate a few months ago, I guess it was... Longer than a few months ago, towards the beginning of the year where Tony went through First Peter. And it was really eye-opening to see, wow, Peter really had, I'm hearing this echo. Um, Peter really had an amazing heart to what he wrote at the end, you know. Because First and Second Peter, I always kind of say is like his magnum opus, right? This is, you know, this is what he wrote shortly before he died, a martyr's death. So, what we're really kind of seeing here, I believe, in First and Second Peter is not just gospel message, but it's Peter's like 
here's what I want to impart before I go. Here's kind of my last words to you. And I think when you think about it from that perspective, it makes it that much more powerful, right? So let's look at a couple of these verses here because there's a little string here of verses that I think really encourages me a lot. So we're going to do quite a bit of reading here, but we're going to go in 2 Peter 1 and we're going to start in verse 3. And what's cool about this passage as well is this is kind of our theme passage for the Reflections series and kind of what we're hoping to get out of this. Amen. So we're going to start in verse 3 of 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. So it says, divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Excuse me. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their sins." Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never, never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to pair that with chapter three and we're going to start in verse eight. Chapter three and verse eight says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Now, before we go on, I want you to keep that question in your mind as we go on. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort, there it is again, right, to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace in him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He speaks the same way in his letters, speaking in them, of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the air of lawlessness and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory now forever. 
now and forever. Amen. So all this that you see is a real, there, there's kind of an overarching theme in this. And I believe that overarching theme is repentance. Now, when I say repentance, many of you have been Christians for a long time. Some of you may cringe a little bit when you hear that word. Because I think the way that we've looked at repentance isn't the holistic way that God it's a very different way. Some of you, some of us think, okay, it's regarding sin. I need to change my sin, right? I need to overcome my sin. That's repentance. Some will say, well, I have the more academic knowledge here of metanoia, right? Which is the change of mind. And I'd say, yeah, those things are correct, but you're leaving out some parts. And what I believe those parts are, and I want to read you this definition. Because I think this more encompasses God's heart towards repentance as we see with Peter leading us through these different things. And that definition would be repentance is a faithful decision to resubmit yourself to God's will. Because that encompasses more than just sin. That encompasses more than just a mind change. But it's saying, I'm going to resubmit myself. It's a faithful decision, which means I'm sure of what I hope for, certain of what I do not see, right? That comes into play sometimes when you're dealing with sin in your life. Sometimes it takes faith because it's like, I can't see myself giving this up. I've struggled with this for years, but I know it's not right. But I know I need to give it up, but it's going to take faith, being sure of what I hope for, certain of what I do not see to overcome. So a faithful decision. Now we're getting into that active part of this, right? I have to decide. That does take a mind, right? I do have to change my mind, but I also have to decide to do something about it. I can't just have a mind change. Oh, that's sinful. Or, oh, that's wrong. Or, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not in alignment with God. Or, oh, whatever. It can't just be a mind change. It has to be a decision. And there has to be some action with that, right? That's the resubmitting or submitting maybe for the first time. I'm going to submit myself to God's will. What God wants, not what I want. We get a great... Example of that, Matthew 26, 36 through 46, right? When we have Jesus in the garden. If Jesus had to resubmit himself to God's will, if he had to pray for not his will to be done, but God's will to be done, what in the world would we have to do? If Jesus had to wrestle and pray three times till his sweat was becoming drops of blood, what are we going to have to do? to get ourselves aligned with God's will. There's going to be some sweat and some tears. There's going to be having some road to Emmaus conversations like what Jeff talked about last week, right? There's going to have to be some stuff where we really fight and claw to be in alignment with God. And that's what I really believe is the entirety of repentance. Because it's not just about sin. Sometimes it's about, I just need to get my heart right. 
I just need to get an alignment here. You know, I believe sometimes it has to do with, um, you know, being that it's not just about sin, but it's about resubmitting to God in times when you normally would. And what I mean by that is, you know what I think about all the times I think about these Old Testament characters and how oftentimes their plans were thwarted. Why? Because they did not inquire of the Lord. Well, how much do we inquire of the Lord before we make decisions? And I'm not just talking about big, but even sometimes smaller, but things that we know can be, can, you know, decisions that can be, they can go either way and they can really affect our lives. Are we taking the time to get in line with God's will? You know, I want to lift up Jeff and Amanda. They just came, you know, they just moved here and they're praying. They were praying for their place to live in alignment with what God wanted. They were getting input about it, asking people, what do you think about this? That's what we need to do, right? Is this an alignment? God, because we don't, God knows the future. We don't. <laughs> I pray that all the time. God, please help me. I don't know. Let, if, if this new job I'm wanting so bad is going to be detrimental to me, then shut it down. I might whine and cry about it, but please do what's right by me. <laughs> right? That's the attitude we have to have with God. And that's repentance. It's swinging ourselves out of my own will, out of my own thoughts, and, and let me get in alignment with the Spirit of God here. When we normally wouldn't. Think about how many decisions we make. Now, I don't know that you need to pray about that. God, should I eat Frosted Flakes, you know, Fruity Pebbles? Probably neither. Your sugar's going to go up. Eat some eggs, you know. I don't know, but it doesn't need to be about that stuff necessarily. But you know what I mean. And not even only decisions, but just in our lives as we're going along, it's so easy for us just to get stuck in apathy. To just get stuck in this mode of just like Sunday to Sunday Christianity. Where it's like you get your Sunday and you listen, you go, oh my gosh, man, that brother preached the word. I need to change, right? And then next thing you know, it's Sunday morning and you're like, what was last week about? And you're just going from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday or maybe Sunday to Wednesday to Sunday, right? But it's the same mentality. This, what this is talking about, and what Peter's trying to get at these verses, is this intentional growth mentality. I'm intentionally growing. He says, make every effort. Right? He says, do these things. What people ought you to be. You ought to be this way. It's asking you. He, Peter's saying, hey, step into this. Walk this way. Live this way. Add to your faith goodness. Add this. Add that. There's an activeness about it. Too much of our Christianity has become passive. It's become about, give me a thought, preacher. Wow, that was a good thought. Thank you. What good does that do? I've had great thoughts before. Oh, I should do this and do nothing with it. The road to hell is lined with what? Good intentions. 
If we just have thoughts, and that's all you come to church for, is give me a good thought, that's worthless. There's got to be action. Bible's belief, and you've heard me say this before, right? What is biblical belief? It's belief that moves you. That moves you. And that's what this is. This is what Peter's calling us to. Peter, later in life, as this mature man who had been through a lot, he said, look, look, guys. My life was a lot of ups and downs, but you know what got me through it as I kept coming back and I was intentional. And when I got rebuked, I changed. When I saw life, I changed. I had some falls, man. I denied Jesus to his face. How many of you can say that? But you know what? I came back. And I kept rebounding. And I kept going for it. You know, I think some of us look at repentance and it feels like this thing that is just so challenging and difficult, especially as we get older. We look at it and we go, man, that's hard, right? And I was thinking about this this week because that's generally how I feel. Sometimes people will come to me and and, you know, share something with me. And my first thought is, yeah, but I'm going through this and I'm going through that. And I've had this and that happen. And kind of a real victim sort of mentality. And I've realized this week, one of my best friends, he said to me, he said, Jason, because I love you. But he said, man, sometimes the stuff that you have gone through too often it defines you. And you want to talk about just wanting to fall on the ground and, you know, cry. But he was right. And that kind of trap is what we can easily fall into. But what Peter is really calling us to is he's calling us to this repentance. And here's what I wanted to say earlier, right? So think about repentance can feel so hard. Right? I want you to think about when you first repented. When you first studied the Bible. For me, 1992, 20 years old, campus student at Wichita State. You know, Kim remembers me back then. Just a dorky kid, man. Just lost, you know, Matt, Christy. Christy was, Christy was my first date ever had with a Christian person and we went out it's just a friendship date but we went out and I had no idea what to do and Matt was Matt was my roommate back then that, no attest to you how weird I was Sharisa knew me back then it was just what is wrong with this guy but I tell you what man one thing I can say is I repented radically and where that came from was did it come from my knowledge my great knowledge of God and his wisdom? Did it come from, you know, this great biblical knowledge? No. I studied the Bible and became a Christian in two weeks, and I had no previous religious background. But you know what caused repentance for me? Look at the cross study. That's the one that blew my doors off. I remember looking at that study about Jesus on the cross and going, oh, boy. 
I got some changing to do. You know what I went, what I did? I went home. I tore all my rock and roll posters and all my girly posters off the wall, threw them in the trash, threw away all my rap CDs and, and cassettes and all that stuff, threw them all away. NWA went bye-bye. And dude, and, and seriously, man, it got so much to the point. Some of you know the story with my mother. It got to the point where my mom's like, something's and it was all based off I wanted to do what God wanted me to do so when you think about repentance it's no different and it's not like it should be harder now it actually should be easier because how much more do you know about God's love and mercy and grace than you did back then what I was getting into. <laughs> I mean, honestly, how many of us really did? If you sit there and go, oh, I knew what I was getting into. You lie, you lie. You need to repent, right? We didn't. We had just a vi- and nobody does. Nobody does. It's not like you can lay, God's going to lay out the map of everything that's going to happen in your life. And you only have just that limited amount of information. I had a, at that point, maybe... I'd read through the book of Mark and the book of Acts, and I'd done these Bible studies, you know. So I had two chapters and, what, 30 scriptures, 40 scriptures that I knew, and that's it. And that informed my repentance. Now, what do you know? You know a lot more. Many of you have read through the entire Bible. Many of you have experienced the forgiveness of God. Many of you have seen God give mercy in incredible situations. You've seen so much more than you've ever seen before. Know God so much better than you ever have. So why isn't it easier to repent? It's because we've made it too complicated. That's all it is. My takeaway for you guys today is just to realize that repentance is not that difficult. It really is just resubmitting a faithful decision to resubmit to God's will. And I think if we can wrap our minds around that, it's going to make some change happen. Because think about when it does come to sin in your life, right? The things that you do struggle with. What if you started with, instead of going, I need to repent of this, and said, I need to repent here first. What if you started with, instead of We do need to talk to one another. That's a part of this. But what if you started with, God, let not my will, but yours be done. What if you started with getting your focus off of down here and got it up there? How would that change things right off the bat? How would it change things to say, God, please forgive me? First there, on your knees, humble, submissive to God, then go and confess. Because we do need to confess. I mean, it's biblically backed up, right? Confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other so that you'll be healed. We need to do that. But first, shouldn't we go to God and get our will aligned with his first? What if we did that? Because guess what? I bet you some of this stuff that just nags us and bites at us would go away without even much effort if we got this here first. 
Because if you're walking that way and you've got your head up, you're not going to be looking at all the temptation and sin down here. Some of us struggle greatly because we're so focused here. We're not praying. We're not reading our Bibles. We're not having those talks that Jeff talked about last week. And we're just lost. And we wonder, golly, why am I having such a hard time in life? It's simple, really, right? A faithful decision to resubmit yourself to God's will. Brothers and sisters, what I want to encourage you most with when you think about Peter, and I definitely would encourage you to go and read through First and Second Peter as just kind of a reminder and a kickoff this week, because I think these verses are super, super powerful when it comes to thinking about intentional growth. What I would want to encourage us all with is it's not just this repentance to get yourself resubmitted, but the step than our intentional growth. What do you want to grow in? What do you want to take steps in? It's not just getting rid of sin, but it's adding goodness, right? It's not just saying, I'm going to get rid of my laziness, but then I want to get this. If you don't replace what you're getting rid of with something, you're just going to get more back. But we need repentance. We need this decision. We need this action to step across and be what God's calling us to be. So I want to encourage us with that today to really make a decision at intentional growth and really get back to a repentance lifestyle, not one on that narrow form that you once thought of before, but more broad-based, let me get in a line with God's will. Amen. Amen? Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you so much who you are. Thank you for your kindness. God, it stands out here in Second Peter when it says that, uh, God, you are patient, waiting for everyone to come to repentance. Father, we're so grateful for that, but help us not take that patience for granted, God, but help us instead to really just be intentional, to take the time to make that faithful decision to resubmit ourselves to your will in everything we do. We love you, God. We thank you for just loving us. And we pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.